What is turning Aro Valley into Wellington's showcase for an eco-valley? There have been three solar panels generating clean power to residents, a residence home, Tiaro School and the community centre. This adds to the ongoing culture of action and positive environmental change. So this is part one of a part two series with Aro Valley residents or initiators on why they are so progressive in this field. Do enjoy. Hi Julia, welcome to B-Side Stories on Access Radio. You're an Aro Valley resident. How long have you lived here for? I uh, bought this house in 1990. What's kept you living in the Aro Valley? Well the house was a derelict uh, and it took 18 years to do up so that kept me here. Yeah. <laughs> That'd, that'd keep you busy. And yeah, I'm finished now. Well, I'm not exactly finished. I've stopped now. Right. Not There's a few things undone, but who cares? But now I'm starting on the garden, so that keeps me here. So now, Julia, you've just put photovoltaic solar panels on your roof. What made you want to do this? Uh, it, the location is perfect. Mm. Most of Wellington is aligned on hills that run north-south, so... You tend to have to choose whether you have an eastern right. aspect or a western aspect when you're living in Wellington. But I'm in one of those fairly uh, rare places that face north. I'm on a, um, a hillside that faces directly north and I get sun all day, uh, even more in winter than summer because wow. this, and uh, it's yes. just a perfect location really plus I have a it's an old house 1870s and it's got a very steep pitched roof in the front which was exactly the right angle as well perfect so it just seemed logical what started the idea that you would like to do this I suppose uh, resentment at this selling up of the uh, you know the uh, electricity supply chain right uh, anybody could see that you know once it became privatized it was just going to get more expensive I mean, we used to have um, a, a city council electricity right. department didn't we wow we, when uh, was we that? used to repair electric right. blankets and all useful sort of um, things you know that were more concerned about uh, keeping people safe from yeah. electrical appliances, but once it once the whole system got privatised, obviously it has to make a bigger and bigger profit. Yes, and so uh, as a, um, a backlash, I suppose I've, I've gone to solar power. Right. So, how will the photovoltaic cells or panels work well it's not really as developed as it will be yet but right and hopefully in the future there'll be more subsidies and people will be encouraged to do it but at this point i just decided to take the plunge and do it now what i have is nine panels that generate 2.7 kilowatts uh if they are Per hour, if they are at optimum performance, right. more probably factory conditions than real life conditions. And uh, they only generate electricity when the sun is shining on them. But I, as I say, I get a, a, a really decent run from first thing in the morning till last thing in the evening. It, you know, the, I get the sun from 
sunrise to sunset, even more in winter than summer because it goes too far to the south. Yes, and yes. It's a little bit behind the hills behind me in the summer. But in winter, uh, I, get a, I get a lot of sun, and they also work well even in winter. It doesn't have to be hot sun, apparently. Right. They work quite well in cold conditions. So That's good to know, because that was something I wasn't aware of. Mm. I always thought that it needed to have that heat, no. you know, that, that high summer heat as no, well. No, no, mm. They work quite well when the temperature's low, so long as the sun's shining. They also still generate power... Uh, on an overcast day when the rays are trapped right. underneath the cloud layer bouncing backwards and forwards Great. And so I'm, I'm really well placed for it it's obvious that it's a good thing to do Yeah. and so you get the direct current from uh, the sun and it goes through a box in the, uh, installed in, uh, um, in a back room here it goes through a box called an inverter which turns it into the um, alternating power that we use at in the house for all of our appliances. Wow. And that has a... So it is, it's direct. Mm, yes. But the next step, of course, will be having a battery so that you can store your excess and use it through the evening as well. Right. Was there an environmental motivation as well oh, with that, Julia? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. Mm. You just can hardly believe that it, there isn't massive take-up. Yes, and, of course, the more take-up there is, the cheaper it will all get. That's and right. The, uh, uh, the development is really rocketing along, you know. the um, uh, I believe you don't have to have these big inverters anymore, that right. they have a way of installing things with the panels that do the conversion from direct current to alternating current you know, up on the roof, right. and it just goes straight into your house. You know, it's just... It is, it is so sensible. It, mm. It's... Uh, Think of how much power we'd save the country if people were just using solar power in in their homes. Which we'd... we're all getting every day. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. So who is buying back your extra? Uh, I'm with Meridian and the hall will be with Contact. Right. Um, I think Contact buys back for the power pretty much at the same rate they sell it, but you have to invoice them. They don't do it automatically. Right, okay, so you've got to be proactive mm. in making mm. that happen. They take, it, it goes back into the grid, what's yep. not being used, but you actually have to invoice them, not monthly, but, you know, if you don't invoice them, you don't get your refund. Yeah. Uh, whereas Meridian do it automatically on the bills, and all the others don't do it at all. Mm. Which, and you know, you get these endless calls from power companies trying to talk to yes, you. Yes, don't your, you just, at dinner time. That's right. <laughs> so as soon as I say, well, what's your buyback rate for solar power? Well, that's the end of the conversation. Julia, are you involved in any RO Valley community groups? And it's it was hard. a sigh. <laughs> it was a sigh. <laughs> it's hard not to be. I'm on right. the local committee. Everybody who lives in RO Valley works here, owns a business here. Uh, what's the fourth thing? Um, there's four reasons uh, I, that make you automatically a member of the right. Arrow Valley Community uh, a Council. Right. And, that, and the, uh, a committee is elected from that, and, and the AGM is on, on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes. <laughs> the last AGM was an absolute uh, riot. We had to ask Ian McKinnon, a man of huge experience. Yes to chair it and and it was even it was a huge challenge for him 
But anyway, we got through the AGM. Well done. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good story. I'm hoping that this will be much calmer. (laughs) Wow. And also, uh, I'm interested in the... The vegetation of the valley, mm-hmm. um, part of the Ara Valley Restoration uh, right. Project, because like everywhere else in Wellington, this whole area was, you know, denuded in yes. the 1840s, 50s, 60s. I think the last the last batch of podocarps was a, a, a group of kahikatea on the side of the park. And they went for firewood for the townsfolk in about 1880. And since then, of course, it all proved to be far too steep to be much use for farming. Right. But anyway, now we have regeneration. It's been yes. going on all my lifetime, really. I remember yeah. Wellington as a much rawer, more exposed sort of town when I was a kid. Right. And... and uh, Sort of secondary regrowth is right. all over town, wherever it can get a, a foothold. Which is great for Wellington. Oh, it's it? wonderful. It's so, we're so lucky. And Arrow Valley being very steep-sided, mm. we most of us look out onto bush. Yes, uh, but it's it it was decimated, whatever that is, you know, 150 years ago, and the seeds for the for the actual forest trees have gone. The, the, the podocarps right. are not regenerating naturally. So there's a lot of a lot of areas around here where people plant. They plant yep. the bigger stuff. We're ready for the bigger stuff now. Great. That's so, so, so the, the the next layers of mm. regeneration are coming through. Well, they will come through once they're in. They won't come through naturally because it's right. not there anymore. Yep. Yep. But we're being so close to Zealandia, we have a yes. lot of native birds. Well, it was delightful walking up your path. I really, there's something maybe in the valley that mm. just the sound is mm. quite different mm. it is quite a sound show around mm. the valley what are you observing after so many years in Aro Valley are you seeing an escalation or a rise in community participation in, in all these activities oh certainly those the the restoration activities yeah. certainly great yes are there things that the community is doing that you are really proud of well I have to turn it into a positive. So I'm really pleased that every single person in this community has an opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why the AGMs oh, go on so long. Yeah. So um, they're caring, they're shall caring. we say. They're caring. <laughs> they're caring. Yes, they're not yeah. indifferent. And yeah. that's marvellous. That's cr- that is really important, <laughs> even if it means long meetings. <laughs> Do you feel like there's a connection in the environment or the history that as a community, the actions that seem to happen in Aro Valley are about making positive environmental change? It's an interesting mix of people. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of small houses in the valley, so there's quite a few houses where just one person lives. Right. And the houses are very higgledy-piggledy and interlocked. Uh, so people are close to each other, but they've got their own privacy. Right. It's not a uniform setup mm. at all. You know, it's not like um, we're so close that we tend to withdraw from one another. It's just about the right balance of little houses, little bits of garden. Uh, people are confined by the valley. A lot of the streets are dead end, so that means everybody walks up and down the axis, right. Aro Street. Yeah, and and you see people. You see people in the street, you get to know them, and 
we have a community hall here, mm-hmm. which is really fortunate. We are e- very easily easily able to hold a community event. Yes. I mean, we've had a public meeting on pest control, Yeah. public meeting on <laughs> the original vegetation of Aro Valley. We've had the, the latest one was a meeting on Lumio, which is a type of yes. digital... Um, Soliciting of opinions of people in whatever community it is. It might save the meetings being so long. No, I think (laughs) I'm fairly sure it will lengthen them. They'll go on for days instead of hours. But um, yeah, so people are are close together. They they're walking far more than you see in any other suburb. I'm always surprised when Mm. I go to the the K suburbs. No one's on the streets. No. Whereas here we're 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 smiling. We I smile at everybody. They all smile at me. You have no idea who they are, and it's just the part of the valley culture. Parking's a problem. So lots of people don't have cars. We're very close to. Most things you could walk to, you know, yes. walk to work, walk to town, City, walk to the yep. university. But then, do you think that helps the community oh, to be more connected? Absolutely. And the main uh, route to town takes you through the park, past the community yes. hall. There's a little constriction there between some of those buildings where you can put up all the notices about what's on. Mm. We also have an absolutely brilliant uh, monthly newsletter, usually edited by. Uh, people who are professional journalists who who just do a, a really good job and that gets delivered to absolutely every household. So there's a voice really, isn't there? Mm. There's an, is an accessibility to... Everybody's kept informed. Mm. I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's the... I think it's the valley shape. Like-minded people seem to come here. Mm. Um, what Do you think there's anything that attracts those like-minded people? Well, it's not pretentious. Mm. Uh, the values, right. the values. I yes. think mm. more important things than 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 money. And next, we'll have our interview with Charles Barry, who is a long-running uh, member of Kai Otiaro, and he's got some really interesting things to say as well. Charles Barry, welcome to B-Side Stories for Community Zone on Access Radio. How long have you lived in Arrow Valley for? On and off, but more on since 2006. Wow. So what what brought you to live in the valley? Um, Good friends who had good parties. (laughs) And the house that I live in now, still live in now actually, is a bit of a notorious house. I'll keep keep quiet which one it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's some things we don't all need to know. Yeah, Yeah. and I used to spend a lot of time hanging out with um, my my older friends who I really looked up to who lived there. And then eventually they asked me if I wanted to move into their house and then I did. Yeah, and I I stayed there until... We got kicked out by yep. our, when our landlord wanted to move in, and then when that landlord decided he no longer wanted to live in the house, we all moved back in. You're joking. No. Yeah, I'm not in the same room, but the trees that I planted are in the backyard, you know, those um, eight years ago, whatever, are still are quite big now. So you have got a like a, a caring kind of fostering feeling around about the place, your place as well as the yeah. whole valley. I'm a, I'm a real believer that we are actually part of the landscape. Yes. So I love to travel and I hope to do a lot more, but I don't it doesn't really appeal to me to move all over the place really. You know, I like I like growing where I'm from. Yeah, that makes yeah. that makes sense because there's change in that too, isn't there? Yeah. What do you love or like then about living in the Arrow Valley community? Part of it for me is I have a lot of friends there. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, I like living on the edge of the city. Yeah. Because I I am, as much as I might like to convince myself that I'm not, I am a city person. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't want to live in, in the concrete, right in the, in the concrete jungle. Yeah. So living right on the edge where I, I've got my garden spaces and the, and you know I've got kaka and more porks and stuff like that is really good. But I like the fact that I walk to work every day, and I uh, I, I I had to let my car go this year. Uh, and it hasn't really bothered me at all that much. Right. Well, yeah. it's quite a lifestyle choice, really, isn't it? Yeah. And now there's so much momentum in my life that's that revolves around Arrow Valley that to change to change it would be quite significant. Yeah. It, you know, I'm not afraid of doing that. I just don't feel the need, and I feel like I'm adding value. So I stay, yeah. Right. And and I think and a part of it's just the geography. The geography. I, I like living in a valley. I'm a, I love fresh water. I love fr- flowing water, um, and having the stream right. flowing beneath my feet and, and being able to hear it in the park and knowing places where I can go and actually see it exposed and knowing that there's fish in there and glowworms and stuff like that is pretty important to me as well. Mm, I get that. What community groups or what are you involved with in the in the community? Okay. Uh, well, I was one of the f- people who set up Kaiotearo, the community garden. Right. And so we started that in 2008. Um, there's a small group of us and a, a, a good little nugget of the people that, that were there on day one are still there. Great. Um, and I probably have, maybe have the uh, most regular attendance award or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, and we're, we're, we're pretty... We're, we're a pretty ragtag bunch, and the project is not—it's it's not necessarily the most inspiring community garden of all time because we it, it ebbs and flows, and we yeah. don't always keep up. But we we have just plugged on, and we've stayed really independent. You know, we're not right. we're not any sort of legal entity. Yeah, so there's that, and then I'm also a, a member of the Ara Valley Community Council committee. Right. So that's you know an elected position to help to manage the community centre. So we employ the coordinator, and we provide governance to the way that the hall is used and we also are there to represent Arrow Valley in terms of planning things and right. um, and to just create a, um, a governance board for the funds that are accessed by the City Council. That's fantastic and just on that, uh, ladies and gentlemen you can't see lovely Charles but he's quite youthful, now that's not <laughs> normal to have someone who could be out partying on, the, on a council. I still go partying too. <laughs> I'm just really good at knowing when to wear my sunglasses. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, so if you're at the board with Sunnies on, we know what's hap- happening. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what benefits do you see the garden giving to the community? Uh, there's a definite social function. Yeah, I mean, for a, a lot of us in the project, me included, it's we, we're really good friends, and we met through the project. Um, and it's quite multi-generational in a sense. Well, wow. well, there's at least two generations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I guess I guess you can't really say that we're diverse because we're all greenies and like to garden together. <laughs> but we, but I guess we wouldn't necessarily meet otherwise. Is what I was trying to right. get at. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we just have a great time and we have lots of laughs and there's been some really good friendships that have developed out of it. And lots of people when they. Fir- First move to the valley, which is a very quite a, can be quite a transient. Yeah, it place. sounds like it's quite can be quite high turnover in yeah. terms of residents. But if they're if they're that way inclined, like like to get involved with community projects and, and are interested in permaculture and, and sustainable living, they would will inevitably see the gardens or hear about us, 
and then they contact us and then we can just say, you know, we're having a garden week, garden day in next week or this weekend and it's a really good way to, for people to first connect with the valley. Yeah. And because we've been going for a while, we've been really... Um, able to support lots of other little projects like like Calvin um, moving to the valley and having his fantastic composting project idea. Right. The fact that we had a lot of relationships and thinking already meant that it was we were able to just um, back him up and support yeah. him. And the other people in the who were working with Calvin on that project were existing members of the community garden. Right. So it's sort of this little I guess pool of people that you know you can trust to get stuck in and do a good job yeah and I know that a few years ago there was a quite a low-income family living next to one of the gardens who right. I know were directly getting food from the gardens right and and that was really cool to see that that yes yeah. um, that it was happening like that uh, we've We've had a really good relationship with Teatro School, and we've we've right. gone up there and taught and helped them to set up their gardens Fantastic. and taught garden electives and been there to have conversations with the teachers. And I mean, they're really well underway, and they've got a lot of their own support now as well. But we, we were there as a as just a conduit. Um, yeah, and you know we we have a garden column in the Valley Voice every month. And I was just reading a beautiful write up about the sec- from the Secret Garden. Yeah. Um, by Lillian, Lillian I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It's, it's usually Lillian uh, or I or Jamie, who's one of the overly compost project people right. who write those columns. And okay. then now now having this relationship with the Boys and Girls Institute as well. Yeah. Which, yeah, um, and also we've, for a while I, I had a contract to and, uh, pay myself to coordinate the garden um, for a few hours a week. And during that period I also supervised um, people fulfilling their um, community sentences in the gardens as well, and that was really cool to be able to have. Um, you know, they used to call it PD, but you're not supposed yeah, to call yeah, it PD. Right, okay, yeah, I was going to say community sentences, right? I well, get it's it. Community, it's community work. work. Everyone still calls it PD, but they te- it hasn't technically been known as PD for 12 years or something like that. Wow. For, for one guy in particular that was quite involved with us, I know it was a real transformative experience yeah. for him. Mm, so, bet. yeah, that yeah. was really cool. So, Arrow Valley seems to be quite advanced in actioning positive environmental changes change. Do you think that there are specific factors that have contributed to this? Um, yes. I think, <laughs> I think uh, part of it is, is history. Yep. So um, our valley is very old. You know, Mitcheltown which is um, our valley historians will probably be shaking their heads at me for getting this a little bit wrong, but Mitcheltown was one of the oldest Wellington suburbs, and yeah. so therefore potentially one of the older colonial suburbs in New Zealand. Uh, and it was it was Holloway Road, wow. hence why you know we talked to Richard before in the old butcher shop, and you know yeah. um, there's all these old shops on Holloway mm. Road because it used to be a thriving suburb, and it went up into the hills and stuff, and so that. You know, so there's that there's that legacy, mm. and people have actively maintained that legacy as well. Being on the edge of the city, but being green, yes. so sort of being nestled between the green west and the city, I think creates a really cool sort of cosmopolitan yet people who want to be in the green thing, which means that people are techno savvy and up to date with with what's going on, but at the same time um, have gardens and yeah. you know we've got a lot of ecological dry, like, I mean Arrow Valley is known as the, one of the weediest suburbs in the whole of Wellington as well. Why is that? So that's is this that? age thing again right. because it's so old that so right. every wave of exotic pest plant right. that that, um, that Columnus brought to you know 
um, gentrify their, their um, gardens um, as present Exists, and overly. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we've got reasons for that. Um, you know, the, the whole um, the halo aspect of being so close to Zealandia and knowing that we've got saddlebacks and things like mm. that nesting in Pole Hill Reserve That's really inspires people. Yep. Um, and then I do, th- you know, I'm, I'm a real advocate that, you know, we're part of the landscape and our consciousness is part of the landscape. And so I think that it, it, um, and it almost um, emerges out of the landscape as well. It's not necessarily that everybody brings it to the valley, although there's a bit of that too, but I think it's also there's something magical that happens that yeah. yeah I think the fact that you can draw a bound a natural boundary around the valley mm-hmm. although we do spend a bit of time debating the boundaries of our valley right um but you, but you know because it's a catchment yes you can actually there's a watershed around it and you could draw that and I think that that creates something with everything flowing in so that you can look out and see the edge or you can stand on the edge and look in and I think something about it almost creates it as a little organism yeah it's maybe a bit mystical, but yeah, I, I, and I do think that that has an effect. Whereas if you live somewhere that has softer edges, it's it's maybe it's harder to contain the energy. A yeah, bit. yeah, no, that's exactly right. Is there a vision for that Arrow Valley is working towards at all that you're aware of? Um, well, I mean, as for whether there's a collective vision or not, that's that's probably a bit harder to say yep. because you know we. I have a vision. But I, but I wouldn't be presumptuous enough to say that my vision is shared by everybody. Can we have your vision then? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I definitely would like to see Arrow Valley as a as a um, as a showcase uh, sustainable inner city suburb in Wellington and in New Zealand as well. And I and I I, I would not be afraid for that to be something that's really. Um, made the most of yeah. because and celebrated and, and there's a chance that we can set some yeah some case studies that other suburbs could um, could pick up on as well you know the way the way we manage our waste the, the yeah. way that we're growing food the way that we support our young people to engage with the community um, you know and we're, and we're doing this Lumio trial yeah um, that's that's really which exciting I'm, you know, I'm a real advocate of, of that um, to see how that do you think that happens. will simplify or, or make things a little bit more fast-paced, or well, what would the benefits to that be? I think I think you know I don't think it's going to be a panacea. No, um, and you know, and and in the meeting that we had about it, it, it was a, a quite a debatable thing because you know some people have this attitude of oh, well, just putting more things online alienates people who who don't use computers, or it's you know look at us all in this meeting, we're all white middle class and we're sitting around talking about how to you know have community and but I kind of think it's. It's another way in which we can engage, and as long as we have a really good interface with the way that that's used yeah. alongside our um, our existing meeting structures, and then hopefully a whole raft of new ways of engaging young people and people that don't necessarily want to go to meetings or are too shy to put their hand up, um, we can come up with, a, a, I guess, like a, um, a network of different ways of engaging with the community. So I think it's going to be great because it, at the least it will be a way to engage the young people because the community council is a lot of the usual suspects. Right, um, yeah. And, um, you know, and there are people like me on there, like you're saying, who's probably younger than the average person who would join the community council. But, it, you know, we, there's a lot of young people living in the valley. And, and it's a good way to... Could be engaging in those conversations. Quite an exciting tool, isn't it? Just yeah. In, yeah. The characters who 
run Lumio, I find them really inspiring and I'm really yeah. keen to, and I think they've got a really great vision and they're really keen to work with us to. So to you're also a test case in a way yeah, yeah, for yeah. that as a community group? I think they're quite excited about yeah. it as well. Just for other community groups, do you have any suggestions on how they could create the connection and the action that RO Valley has? Um, I think, I think, well, one thing that is a real bonus for RO Valley and something that I can't claim any credit for is the is the, our, our publication the valley voice yeah which goes out every month gets delivered to lots and lots and lots of houses i don't know exactly how many um and and so that and people do read it i think and it's quite a it's a good read yeah it's a good yeah. read and 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 people put time and energy into writing it so i think get it getting the word out there but also um i'm a real advocate of you know of the idea that if you only have one kind of meeting you're only going to get one kind of person right so you need to have lots of different kinds of engagement and and value them equally as well because you know if you have lunchtime meetings you know you're going to get people that are home during the day at lunchtime and if you only have evening meetings you only get people that are confident to go and sit in a room full of people yeah yeah and focusing on joy as much as you can and fun yeah um, and like I said it before, but actively cultivating hope because I mean, it's pretty. The newspapers are pretty depressing at the moment. You know, communities are made up of individuals, and so people need to take responsibility for their own confidence and joy a little bit. I think, whilst also working hard to create an environment in which is which is conducive to joy and confidence as well. And so I think you know we've got a responsibility to our communities, both to both to take responsibility for ourselves right. and. Uh, not tolerate bad behaviour as well.